Heaven high. Heaven high. Welcome to Rum Doings, episode two hundred and sixty-three, and this is a very special Rum Doing. Oh, no. is it special? Notice that you wait for a decade for one Rum Doings to come out in a month, and you get two in a week. What? This is the tenth anniversary special of the Rum Doings podcast. Great. We've been talking nonsense for 10 years and we're now a decade closer to our final demise. Well, we've been recording our nonsense for 10 years. We've been talking nonsense for closer to 25. Yes. So the topic this week is, should Nick be deported to Robben Island for stealing Starglider? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Only our very, very loyal listener will get that one. Yeah. Or, or someone who just discovered it and went back to the start. Well, the, so. the problem is the Jellycast listings cut us off at seven, so they'd have to actually explicitly <laughs> visit your blog and go back in time. No, to pronounce it, if, if we're doing this properly, pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Little did I know at the time when I was complaining about blah, that they'd be an endangered species now, destroyed by <laughs> the fast food of social media. So the world has changed mm. some in 10 years, have you noticed? Well, yeah, Brexit wasn't a portmanteau that existed then. Uh, Boris Johnson was London's mayor. I think Facebook was only just barely becoming a thing and Twitter was barely becoming a thing. Your your mate Steve Jobs was alive and the iPad... I joined my mate. I joined Twitter in 2009. The iPad didn't exist. Also in 2009, December, I remember this chap called Donald Trump, who was a game show host, endorsed the Copenhagen UN Climate Change Conference. And, <laughs> and your other mate, Jimmy Savile, was, was very much alive as well. Um, I remember vinyl wasn't really a thing 10 years ago, was it? <laughs> but most cinemas were still projecting 35 millimeter film, which I told people at the time. I said, go to the cinema because this will be the last time that you'll be able to see that as a general uh, happenstance and nobody really cared about mechanical keyboard you could get a model m in a junkyard so Ugh. that was happening. Uh, also i think personally you weren't married um i was very i was very single in fact i yeah. don't think i'd even met laura yeah. when we uh Ju- judith and toby therefore certainly didn't exist my well actually, judith it was an it yeah my my nieces and nephews didn't exist and certainly the name Moscha Wayne was not extant in the universe <laughs> Um, you're about to stop stop laughing now your dad was alive uh and my grandma yes. and my grandmother was about to turn 89 she's now about to turn 99 so there we go that's that's everything that's that happened amazing. in 10 years hmm. has she changed in the last 10 years not that much really no i was gonna say because at that you know, by that point you may as well just <laughs> dig your heels in <laughs> well that's the thing yeah there you go so um Anything else? Have I missed out on anything? Or is that every single thing in the universe that changed over 10 years? Well, the, well, the one thing you have forgotten to mention is that 10 years ago it was just before everything stopped working. Yeah. I, I, I also, I hadn't um, basically understood or discovered hyperinsulinemia yet either. So I was talking sugar. The, of everything that we talked about. So Nick and I both listened to the first episode yesterday. And of everything we talked about, the thing that really shocked me the most was our discussing the, the preferable ways to drink full sugar Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes. 
I don't even remember liking. I don't. I. I, I don't want to be arch. I. I love sugar. I love sweet things. Yeah. I'm a big fat wobbly man. Yeah. Um, You're an adult. I can't drink Coke now. It's just sickly disgusting. And I love it. And oh, right. I'm going to be cross about something now. All right. We started watching a show that you would not approve of, Nick. Are you ready to tut? Yes. There's a program on the Netflix called Sugar Rush. Well, I don't and know. It depends. It's a, compet- yeah. it's a competitive baking show. So cake, cake decorated type people come mm-hmm. in. So Laura loves it because it's her. So we, we we discovered it and we're watching the first episode of this. And all the way through the judges, there was a pastry chef and a cupcake queen and, and all these judges mm-hmm. were saying on every single round, the first round was cupcakes, the second round was confectionery. And they were going, oh, well, it's a bit too sweet. Right. Oh, that. That I like how that this ingredient completely balances out the sweet. <laughs> what is going on? Your program's called Sugar Rush. I'm so hate the snobbery within the culinary world against sweetness. Well, I I'm against. I know it you because, are, but... but I'm against it now in the same way that when you drink Coke, I uh, it's just that the palate's change and I need less sweet. It's just like everything's turned up to eleven and it's clipping on the waveform now. So I just need sure. it turned down. That's um, fine, but I don't agree. I don't agree. If someone whose job is to make cakes to complain that they're sweet really makes me cross. But anyway, there, but so no, but there that is... said, I Coke mm. is too sickly. Yes, it's syrup. Yeah, mm. it's funny that. Uh, but but we were really discussing whether to drink it out of a whether drinking it out of a glass bottle or out of a can would make a difference. Um, I was kind of horrified by how many things that I said in that episode. Mm, I was too. Yeah, that too. I got to I got to speak a lot more back then. I noticed. Yeah. Um, but how many of the things I still say? Like my, I did some of my best material right there in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, you might as well have not bothered. I oh, know, like the Q stuff. Oh, that's a good. That's good stand up work there. Yeah, it's true. Why didn't you ever do stand up? Uh, I don't think I would have been funny enough. That's always been my, my reason. I enjoy, I'm not scared of it. I don't, I like being at the front of the room, the center of attention. I've done stuff like small stuff, like coffee shop scale stand up things. And what have you and talked about? Have you ever noticed how children make messes? No. no. Um, but, uh, I, I found that the thrill of getting the whole room laughing and then riding the laugh, controlling the laugh with the next line and stuff. Oh my gosh, that's such a rush. I loved it, but I don't, think i'd be funny enough for it to be worthwhile okay all right that's my it's always been my reason not to well isn't that what everybody thinks probably but then also it seems really it also seems really stressful i i I used to be obsessed with stand-up comedy and i learned i read books and books and books about it with no desire to ever do it it was never like i will study this and master it never had any intention to do it yeah i just found the craft really uh, really fascinating and so I know loads and loads about it. And most of what I know is that it's it's just a constant run of failure until you, a tiny bit of success. It doesn't sound satisfying at all. So if nearly dead 2019 John could go back in time and have a word with uh, very, very much alive and uh, hopeful <laughs> yeah. 20, 2009 John, what would he tell him? Um. I would, well, obviously, all, what I want to do more than anything else is to be is to lose weight, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't know how I would convince ten years ago me to do it when I knew I needed to do it then as well. Mm. So, okay, I don't really have that. I think I would tell him just to really relish the freedom that he has, just to be able to go out and do stuff when he feels like it. 
But he didn't. He wasn't really a party animal. No, no, no. I just mean to be able to walk out the front door without it being a thing. Why can't you walk out the door without it being a thing? Because you've got to arrange it. Is it okay? Are you cool with Hobie? Blah, blah, blah. There's a whole thing. And then well, like, what time do I need to be back to make sure I can do this and do bedtime for this? But, no, everything oh, is. Yeah, but Arlen, you, you could smash Toby's head in and bury him under the patio and then you can do that quite easily. So I don't really see, you know, you're making excuses. That is true. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, that's the fact that I had zero responsibilities 10 years ago. But you basically feels lived, so appealing now. You basically lived the life of a student in a student squat. I remember that. It was disgusting. Well, a lot of people say it was disgusting, it but was. I didn't care. But it was, though. You must admit it was. <laughs> if it's funny, when you look at the contents of that, um, of that house, yes. uh, there's now uh, Jonty is now a very senior figure at Gamer Network. Uh-huh. Graham is now the editor of Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Uh-huh. And Craig is now um, my, my colleague in the little business we've set up. There you go. So it all worked. So, yeah, that was a good house to live in. And then we, we, we kicked out Jonty uh-huh. to replace him with uh, Lisa. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't kick out Jonty. He moved to London. And then we just advertised the place and, and Lisa moved in. And now Lisa and Graham have got a, a child together. Ugh. And she's developing a very cool looking video game. Ugh. Ah. How have games changed in 10 years? I'll allow you to discuss that marginally. Um, not interesting. Not in any interesting ways. They've Well, that's the point. It's been a whole decade and they, there's not enough to say that you should be able no, to No, 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 no. Because games don't need to change. Games are fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, so 10 years ago, it was all MMOs. Although I think they were probably just about having their day back then. And mm. then so there's been phases. Right now, the big phase is uh, Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that will have its day and there'll be another phase. But in, in the meantime, the whole the industry's changed. Ten years ago, the indie scene was just breaking out. And then a couple of years ago, it sort of had its um, it sort of burnt itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been through that pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but indie games are fine. Games are fine. Everything's this sort of stable. They've become a lot more mainstream, but they were pretty much there 10 years ago, I guess. It's interesting how little you can summon to discuss any aesthetic or other changes in the medium. You've just, you know... Well, no, um... I just find, honestly, this the, because this rumderings is where I don't have to talk about games, and so that's mm. that's the reluctance you're hearing. Yeah, but I always force you to talk about games. I know. I'm trying, well, aesthetically, graphics have not really no, improved significantly no, in the last 10 years. Actually, not very much interesting has happened with regard to uh, IT in the last 10 years. There's exactly. Been, there's been twiddling at the margins, but actually... Yeah, fidelity. Fidelity has improved. If you looked at you know, look at Red Dead Redemption, which was, I guess, about 10 years ago, and look at Red Dead Redemption 2, then you're going to see a significant improvement in fidelity. But not there's nothing that, say, like when Quake introduced... Circles. Yeah. Do you still um, do you still think that Deus Ex is a wonderful game? I do. Um, I replayed it a few years ago, and it's it, since recording that. And yeah, I really love it. Um, it's a significant game, certainly. Do you think Telly was better ten years ago or now? No, goodness no. me, no. No, I'm trying to think. Oh my what goodness, was TV is TV is so good right now. Was it lost? I mean, obviously it was the Netflix and all that, but I'm trying to think, what was the big deal 10 years ago? I don't know. I mean, well, I can't remember. 
the, the dates to match the things. But no, right now, oh my goodness, I'm just like just relishing the fact that I've got uh, Legion and the Magicians to work through at the moment. Just such two such fantastically bizarre and lovely shows. Mm. Um, it's interesting. And I just finished Doom Patrol, which I want you to watch, and. I remember. I remember. Uh, was it? It wasn't exactly ten years, but it might have been in your in your toilet. You had that um, book extolling the virtues of the European project. Do you remember? I do. Um, why it was something like yes, it's such a fantastically wrong book. Yeah. Um, why Europe will rule the twenty first century, or something like that. It was this prediction of, of yeah. that Europe was going to be the most significant continent including and, with 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 britain as its well exactly and it had absolutely no perception that the that the stupidity could have occurred mm. have you heard that um there's i've forgotten his name uh the, this new very evil man who's in charge of the brexity thing with boris johnson has said that i might have even said this in the last one so i don't care has said that <laughs> um if if there is a um yeah, I did say it, but I, I just I want no. to if there if there is a vote of no confidence, jo- Johnson should just ignore it, mm-hmm. and just basically and, and somebody said you know that's that it uh, turns out that's constitutionally fine. Now, but, but I wonder will this basically force us to get some sort of written constitution, or we just continue to no. muddle on and pretend that we're where we have anything like the rule of uh, of anything? I mean, it's ten weird. years ago. Maybe, but now, ever since I think it was around 2013, everything broke. <laughs> it did. Um, just nothing, broke. yeah, nothing works and matters anymore. It's like it, it, it's like there was a blue screen, and then people <laughs> have been pulling cables out, putting them back in, and you know, holding down the power button for five seconds. And they took out the hard drive and have shook it and put it back in again. And uh, you know, have, have tried to boot into safe mode, and every time they do, it's just mm, just blue screens again. Oh my goodness, if we could just boot Britain into safe mode. <laughs> yes, we can't. <laughs> That's very, it, it's, it's interesting. In, in 10 years' time, I wonder where what, what faith this little island might be having. I do sometimes allow myself to think heretical thoughts like, what if this kind of cr- creative destruction that the Brexiteers have wrought manages us to do something extraordinary, allows us to do something extraordinary just because all the cards have been thrown up in the air. I just wonder, you know, there there is a probably an 80% chance that everything will just become desultory and problematic and a 20% chance that something very interesting will happen here and we'll be able to do some profoundly fascinating experiments and but i think it would need Mm -hmm. someone of any merit in an alternative power position for it to happen oh no yeah that's taken as red i would agree with that yeah so we've had this extraordinary perfect storm of that all those things falling to pieces and jeremy corbyn (laughs) and Um, and jeremy corbyn do you, like the, the, do you remember the, John? Do you remember yeah, when I think they were? I think, oh, I think I'm Jeremy Corbyn. I think I'm quoting you when I say shut up. I think I'm quoting you when I say that Corbyn um, it was it, no no one. It was the one factor that no one could have predicted in the in the whole Brexit. That Cameron couldn't have predicted when he gambled on Brexit. Oops! It broke. Yeah, and um, we didn't even take the time while it broke to go and get an alcoholic drink this time. 
No, that's true. Um, I was saying, anyway, to get on with what I was saying, I was saying that Cameron couldn't have predicted Jeremy Corbyn when he gambled on Brexit. No, and that's the point that I've made constantly. And that's why. Yes, exactly. I was quoting you when I said it. Indeed. And that's why I actually people say, well, why do you specifically blame Jeremy Corbyn then? And I say, because he's a wild card. Um, And anybody, uh, people who've spoken to Cameron basically were. He, they'd done the math and they said it's it's kind of impossible for what we now call the Brexiteers to win because there will be a strong Labour leader who will bring enough of the traditional working class, not all of them, of course, but enough over to follow. You know, a kind of, it, it, it would have required, if you remember who got um, Tony Blair's stuff over, it was John Prescott going around the regions being the token working class tub thumper. And he got right enough of the traditional Labour Party to acquiesce to Blair's stuff. And uh, Cameron was pretty sure that that's what he would have with regard to Remain. And he didn't. And then that's why, at what is relatively speaking a razor edge margin, uh, Remain lost. Um, And then, as I need to keep reminding people, Corbyn has had about four or five opportunities to stop Brexit in its track. And each time he has done the opposite of that. He's whipped his party to prevent those uh, stops from happening, uh, including uh, Labour Party members who stopped the second referendum from happening. We could have had a second referendum by now if a small number of members of the Labour Party, in a uh, parliamentary Labour Party, had not voted against that motion. We need to remember that the Labour Party and its leader have stopped a second referendum. That's, that's, that's clear. It's, it's in the cephalogical data. And I wonder how the people who were shouting, ooh, Jeremy Corbyn at Glastonbury a few years ago, would feel about that now. Now, as you say, most of the uh, Corbynistas that you used to speak to have kind of blocked you now. Yes. Do you, have you detected any uh, realisation that their, their idol was a false one? No, no, none at all. Um, I mean, there's a few people who have come around. Um, yeah. There's a guy, there's a, one guy left who won't stop tweeting me propaganda. Right. Um, I've just found it. So he's this is his proof mm-hmm. that Corbyn is desperately trying to stop Brexit. Right. This, have you seen these these things they put together? These lists. It's always black <sighs> and red text. Oh God. Yeah. What's what's the on proof? the fifteenth of Jan. Mm. Corbyn attempted a no confidence vote to trigger a general election in January. Yeah, because <laughs> that yeah, that would that would have stopped Brexit. Yeah. On the 29th, he became the first UK MP to have his amendment for a second referendum to be voted. Oh Jesus. He failed. Three times Jeremy has issued a three-line whip for its MPs to back a second referendum in January, March, and April. They failed. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. But he didn't do that, did he? No, he didn't do that. That's just a lie. That's a, that's a complete lie. Why is he telling lies? That's just so weird. In March, Jeremy whipped his MPs to support a Kyle Wilson amendment for a confirmatory vote. It failed. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Jeremy's a bit of a failure then, doesn't it? It does sound like he's not very good at getting his MPs to vote for stuff, doesn't he? Somebody okay. playing, or somebody playing 4, 4D chess, he, his queen does keep getting captured quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, I have, a, I have a question. Yeah. Rerun the last five or so years, but, um, uh, oh my gosh, Yvette Cooper mm-hmm. is the leader. What's yeah. different? 
Um, she will have been a great disappointment, obviously, but we would not have Brexit. I think so too. I mean, no, I don't even think so. I, well, I don't I, think she would have been I, that great. I'm a big fan, so I don't know if she would necessarily have been a great disappointment. I think she would have been a disappointment because I don't think she had what she needed at this particular point in time to respond to the current um, mores around the world. I, I, I'm, I'm certain, though, and you know, if, if this were a realistic prospect, you know, it's going back in time, I would, I would bet everything on there not being Brexit. I really would, because she would have effectively have marshaled an alliance with Cameron and the rest of them to make sure that it didn't happen. And then it would have happened. And then this whole issue would have been put to bed. Uh, The only issue, the only thing that would have happened now is that Johnson would have been in charge of the angry uh, failed Brexiteer rump, and they would be asking for a second referendum. (laughs) Yes. And actually, there are quotations from both your beloved Rhys Mogg and from Johnson himself, where they postulated that if it had been very close and Brexiteers had lost, a second referendum would have been justified. Of course it would, yes. They themselves asked for it. Now, of course, it's Ramona's. Yeah. So we, we've got ourselves in this ridiculous position. We've wasted a huge amount of time. I have a friend who actually is working in the civil service. And he says we've had every we we've had years and years and years where useful things could have happened that have literally nothing's happened, nothing's been done. We've been in this cataclysm for this amount of time, and it's kind of a miracle that um, we aren't worse off. But that makes me wonder about maybe we will be worse off, and all those things that people should have had their eye on over the last few years those chickens will come home to roost over the next few years. I think we're going to spot a huge number of things just fall apart cataclysmically, not necessarily because of the of, of Brexit, but because of how our eye wasn't on any other ball but the Brexit ball. Do you see what I mean? So like what? Um, I think there are going to be things to do with, with uh, resource planning, things to do with power, things to do with... Um, uh, environmental policy, things to do with pensions and uh, health planning. It, it's just going to be, there are going to be so many areas where we go to have so many, quote, surprises, quote, and people are going to say, why didn't we see that coming? You know, those times where a bridge collapsed and said, well, hold on, why didn't we see that coming? As a, a as a collapses. Yeah, that kind of thing. More and more and more of those things are going to happen. And one or two of them will just seem coincidental. But if you take them in the sum, you'll just see that so many things, so many disasters, so many strange happenstances will, quote, take us by surprise over the next uh, five years or so. And Wouldn't now be a terrible time to have introduced a child into the world? No, it's always a terrible time to introduce a child into the world. <laughs> I was thinking, we haven't been very good at being humans for very long. It's been a hundred Slightly less than a hundred years since being alive has been any good for most people in this country. I'd say that anybody born before the age of Anastasia really shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> and that's what people forget when they say, "Oh, I'd like to go back in time." And live. no, you wouldn't. You, you'd be living before antibiotics and before anaesthetics. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> obviously yeah. not. 
<laughs> it's like the moment you realize that, oh, yeah, obviously not. Yeah, I need to amputate something or cut something out of you. You'll be doing it while you're conscious. Okay, yeah, I'm not going back there. Thanks. Just bite on this spoon. Mm. So, yeah, that's the one thing people forget. And then they suddenly realize they're not going back in time at all. But that's a really short period of time. I like you could say, oh, if you'd been um, landed gentry in X, or if you had been a you know a super rich, famous Greek, or you know in, in ancient Greece, but, yeah. But to be just a regular person, just to be you or me, no, but that really shows lucked us... out in this tiny, tiny window of humanity. No, but that shows us actually something, which is the countervailing narrative, and that's also why market developments have been very positive because it, the poorest person in this country now has things that uh, you know elizabeth the first could only dream of hot and cold running water daily you know even elizabeth the, the first had a, her bath once a quarter or whatever as they to draw it for her food availability in the way that it is um mm-hmm. transport you know we can be we can be the poorest person can get on a bus and be taken across the country or across the town in a way that the the richest noble person would have a horrifically uncomfortable carriage slow carriage ride across rutted and dangerous uh, routes. It, it, it's extraordinary what we do take for granted. And sometimes I like to sit back and count my blessings. Thank heavens I wasn't born in the middle 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 ages. Although, of course, there's another me. In about two hundred years' time, assuming we don't go extinct, well, where we've gone through the singularity, we're thinking, huh, now that we know that we can upload our consciousness and keep it in a weird quantum perpetuality as as much as we wish, we'll be thinking, what a what a poor uh, show those those, those uh, earlier mortals had to go through. So you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, there's a very strong possibility that. Should we survive for the next 50 years that we'll look back on now and say, I, oh, my goodness, can you believe people used to live like that? Yeah, I don't believe that we will survive the next 100 years. I bet against us. I don't. I bet against us. We had another asteroid that almost crashed into the Earth uh, uh, last week, and they only spotted it about a few hours before it came, a huge one. Yeah, but that yeah. doesn't seem like a pressing matter. Those are flying around all the time. Yeah, but ones that will destroy all life on Earth are our issues, and it's going to happen. It's not like uh, you can blame Trump for asteroids. No, but I think we should. It would have been nice if we'd have actually have used our collective wit to uh, track them properly and have a solution, which we could have done, but we well, didn't I've, want to I've because, said because it feels too sci-fi, so we don't take it as a threat. But it is a threat. It's a real threat, and it will destroy us way before any change in climate will. I've said before that the one advantage of Trump could be that he spends silly money on NASA. It's not looking likely. He kept acting like he was about to, yeah. but it hasn't. The problem is he would if the more cynical advisor didn't then get a word in his ear afterwards. That's the problem with him. There are, He's the uh, last person he spoke to, yes. Yeah, yeah. There are actually very useful things he could have done. And you, you see... You see glimpses of it, actually, with him. And you know, he's saying, oh, yeah, he's going to be pulling out of Afghanistan. He's going to be pulling out of Syria. He goes and speaks. I heard him talking about how he, he didn't want to bomb X, Y, and Z because he realized, he said, I suddenly realized, you know, a lot, of, a lot of innocent people would die. Yeah, well, yes. But what was so interesting was that for him, that was, oh, yeah. And so obviously I'm not 
It's not going to bomb that because a lot of innocent people are going to die. That weird game show naivety, which, of course, any other uh, uh, president would have been able to shove away as part of the real politic analysis. For him, it was just like a game show. Think, no, obviously, we're not going to kill all those innocent people. And that's actually kind of what annoys the um, the uh, military-industrial complex about him and why they were so afraid of him, because he's so capricious. Mm-hmm. He can't just say dangerous things like that. So I'm not at all worried about Trump in the long term. I think, as I said, what I'm really worried about is the true, intelligent, right-wing demagogue that comes after him. That's what I worry about because Trump is an egoist and he's also, frankly, you know, his, his, his mind is going. And those people, they, they, they're too mercurial and they, they change their mind in too shallow a way to have any permanent effect. And as you say, the last person that talks to him, and we, we go back 10 years and he was supporting abortion and had signed the climate change accord. He's, he's not the one that we should be having our eye on. It's the one that comes after him that worries me. Um, and, I, and, and it worries me more now that I realize that the Democrats uh, don't know what the hell they're doing. I've watched their uh, debates. The only one who's at all good is Tulsi Gabbard, and she's not allowed to win. Why not? Um, because, again, she is not responding in a way that the uh, donor class uh, would approve of. Um, so the anointed is obviously Joe Biden, who, again, is losing oh, his mind. Sake, no. Yeah, he's losing his mind. And also, can you imagine Trump against Biden? I mean, there's... Oh. Oh, God. Yeah, so, so really, Trump will win again unless he dies or... or uh, falls apart or whatever, which might happen because I think he is, he is going. But I read an article yesterday suggesting that much of his behaviour and strangeness can be explained simply by the fact that he can't see without glasses. That's interesting. And that, that, yeah. that would be very Occam's razor, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and so he, he it was written, inspired by his, you know, he, he was doing his White House speech about the recent massacres and he just named the wrong city in, um, in Ohio. Right, but it was but it was written on a teleprompter in front of him. It didn't. He said Toledo, which wasn't written anywhere on the screen. Right, um, and then just forgot to mention Texas entirely. Um, okay. They showed photographs of his teleprompter compared to Obama's, and it's twice the size with a massively bigger font. And you do kind of see him kind of squinting sometimes. The squinting is very much yeah. a thing. There's the when he couldn't find Rudy Giuliani in a room when he was sat opposite him. Um, yeah. Then I, there's um, I, and also. I, I, that what? misquote that he did when he was talking about uh, the the Fourth of July, and uh, remember he he said their their air or something where which so he kind of joined two words together to make it sound like the uh, revolutionaries had an air force or something. Mm-hmm. And that, that was because that he joined some words on the teleprompter. Uh, like uh, yeah, okay, well there you go. So I, I wonder. I I previously until I read this article, I'd previously assumed that he was at least partially illiterate. Mm. Um, he doesn't. He has his his. He won't read his briefings in the morning. He doesn't. He asks for more pictures than words for the yes. paper he gets. You know, all this stuff suggesting uh, some some level of illiteracy. Yes. Um. Or severe dyslexia. At least. Severe dyslexia. No, no, no. Don't say this. Like, oh, you illiterate idiot. I mean, no, no, like, no, no, I understand. Yeah. He just can't read. Yeah. Um. That seems quite. So I wonder if it's just a combination of the two. When you there are photographs of him wearing glasses when he thinks no one can see him. Uh huh. Um. And he's off. He's he's 
made repeated references to how wearing glasses is a weakness and mocked other people who wear glasses and so he can't yeah he's, he's hoisted yeah. by his own well he can, well, no the, in fairness to trump he could very much just announce that he's always been a huge fan of glasses and, and, <laughs> and um, he has the best and he has the best glasses yes and, and wearing uh, people who don't wear glasses are, are sad <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It would be, it wouldn't it be extraordinary if so many of the world's ills at the moment were because Trump's too vain to wear glasses. <laughs> that would be that would be a wonderful end of the uh, of that of, the, of that weird short story, wouldn't it? Of that yeah. episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, they tried Talking to bring of the which twi- the remake of that's very good. I've heard it's terrible. Interesting. It's very not terrible. That Jordan Peele, he's a bit good at what the stuff that he does. I've heard it's absolutely terrible and misses the point of the original uncanniness entirely. Not in, not in the slightest. And um, Cross your heart it, and hope to die. It very joyfully is... I love the fact that it's a programme where they, the world can end, if it if this, that's where the story goes. Um, yeah. And the last episode is very much about... No spoilers. Fact, the last episode is about whether it pays justice to the original Twilight Zone properly or not by having it become incredibly meta. Rod Sterling was far better. Was he? Yes. What John Jordan Peele does the greatest head tilt you'll ever see in your life is he says it, it introduces and he says in the Twilight Zone and then just tilts his head the f- fraction of a fraction of a millimeter and it's oh it's wonderful. We've been enjoying watching the Dairy Girls. What's that now? It's about some uh, girls in uh, a school in Northern Ireland during the uh, early 90s troubles. Oh, that and sounds it's just, and it's, so worthy. No, but it's a comedy. It's very funny. And yeah. I like the accents. So, I, I, no, watch it. Do watch it. You'll enjoy it. I doubt I will because it doesn't sound like a spaceship is going to explode at any point. Oh, lots of things do explode. It is. Uh, <laughs> but not spaceships. On, yeah. I think you need to watch it, though. Can I can I, I ask you to watch it, please? No. Um, I would suggest everyone watch The Magicians. Don't judge it by its first few episodes because they're they're very important that they exist. But uh, gosh, it does change tack quite quickly. Remember um, the West Wing. I do remember the West Wing. And how's that aged for you? Well, it's it's still magical realism. It's very magical. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's t- it's t- it's increasingly t- too depressing to even think about. Just it is. brilliantly intelligent people controlling America. No. Also, Aaron Sorkin's uh, the, the the shine really has come off his plaque, hasn't it? But then again, all of those they have uh, Joss Whedon too. Yes, very much so. Christopher Morris. Well. He just doesn't do anything other than make slightly just two slightly disappointing films in over a decade. He's not really troubling me either way. Where does he get his money from then? Maybe he got an That's, inheritance. I was I was reading some stuff about that recently. People worrying about where he gets his money from. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's just. If you think about how much money you get paid for being on telly, yeah, it's a significant amount of money, and you've got to assume that Brass I made him. You know, he can't have made less than a million pounds making Brass Eye. You think so? No, of course not. Because just think about, you know, just being paid six, seven, seven episodes being, you know, think about how much people get paid for making telly. Mm-hmm. Especially if he had, or maybe even, even if he only got half that, 
mm-hmm. um, and then add to the fact that he got paid for Nathan Barley and he got paid for um, being movie. on being a character on the IT crowd and so on and so on and his movie and his four lions. So if you think about all those things, if you lived like and his you wife, and I, Joe and his wife Joanne when does voiceovers and things, this is true, and she runs a publishing company. Yeah, okay. I think if you but if you lived like you and I live. Mm-hmm. On hit on TV money, yeah, you wouldn't need to work for ten years after each project. No, that's true. So yeah. he's capable of scaling his life proportion, and it seems that he is. He lives with his family. Yeah. Doesn't you know? Doesn't, see, doesn't the, seem. To... I, I think he's had the same house in Brixton for thirty years or something. Yeah. So yeah. If there's no public extravagance and all that. Then sure, you wouldn't actually need to be making loads of money, would you? You could just live a normal, ordinary person life on yeah. telly money. That's probably what he does then. All right. That's what Problem. I would do. Problem I solved. Do that. I would scale up immediately. <laughs> you would, let's be honest. I There'd be gold-plated pl- gold, gold crucifixes everywhere. Well, my last couple of years on RPS, I was on a very healthy salary, and now I'm not on a salary at all. And it's very interesting how subtly you scale up. Yes. You, it's um, like a, a frog in a, in a pot of gold. Exactly. <laughs> Just start, th- you yeah. buy this now, because, you know... And I, mm. and I wasn't making exciting money at all. I was making a very ordinary salary, but it was to me, having been a scrambling freelancer for de- decades. Which you are again like, now. This is actual money. Isn't it funny? You're now a scrambling freelancer again. I am a scrambling freelancer again. What are you going to do for your pension? Um, I pay into a pension. Do you? Oh, I don't. Yes. I didn't until a few years ago, but when um, we sold the business, mm-hmm. we got a financial advisor and he made me. He forced you at gunpoint. Yes. It's a good thing to because, because suddenly we had a bit, you know, selling a business, you get a sizable chunk of cash. Uh-huh. Um, and um, you uh, you can't just put that much money in the bank. You're not allowed. Somebody emailed us. We won't mention any names. Somebody emailed us and asked whether they should allow their infant to, quote, cry out every night rather than soothe it. Do we? It's our 10th anniversary. It's been pretty depressing so far. Do we really want to now get into uh, to this topic? Yes. And all I will say is, I, I well, point out, they said, oh, my friends say that the, that the child learns to self-soothe. And as I said, the irony of that was, of course, the people who are self-soothing are the parents who are trying to assuage yes. their guilt for abandoning their child under a, under a tree. That's all I found. I found it amusing that they use that phrase when it's they who are doing the self-soothing. I think so. To explain, this is the theory. If you haven't had children, children don't like going to sleep on their own for some peculiar reason. Maybe, you know, millions of years of evolution. But yeah, uh, but that doesn't exist. It It was Jesus. Uh, That's true. Um, And no crying he made. Don't forget. Yes. Um, Well, clearly that's a lie. There's plenty of crying, especially at night when you're trying to put your child to sleep in another room and ignoring it. That's what, oh, let's, uh, t- uh, that away in a manger makes me so cross, that line, no crying him. It so dehumanises the whole, the whole point was that he was human and cried. He would, of course, he cried as a baby. And you know what else he did? He pooed everywhere. But that's the implication of that song. He didn't yeah. poo in his nappy. He didn't yeah. cry. He was a perfect little gentleman. It's so frustrating. I know you're missing the point so dramatically. Anyway, um... Yeah. So, and the idea is that uh, if you when if you can sleep train your child, um, even the phrase. Yeah, I know. And it, the phrase was invented by a lady. What has never had a baby? Correct. Um, which is cunning. Um, the idea is if you, so I believe I is this a fair way to sum it up? If you 
persistently neglect your child, it will eventually give up on you. Yes, that's a bad idea. And that's a, that's a good thing, because yeah. then you'll get, yeah, then, you, then there won't be such an annoyance. Then they won't at make which, the, the annoying nighttime sound. At which point I say to people, uh, just uh, go back in time and have an abortion, then they'll be even less annoying. So this is the reason this is so problematic is that lots of people have done it. I know lots of people who've done it, and it it's not it's not genocide. Um, and people no. feel very guilty when you point out that it wasn't a good thing. My parents did it to me. Loads of people have done it. It's 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 not the end of the world, but it's not good. Actually, it may be the end of the world. Well, it could it, be it, in the sense of how <laughs> mental health I, issues it's causing. I, I bet you did it. I bet you Trump's mum did it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god yeah and it and and there uh, victoria was, has some papers there, there is a, enough data to say that it's highly likely it's causing substantial problems um now of course that can there, there's all the usual epidemiological uh, evidence and confounding and so on but actually hmm. one doesn't one doesn't have to be a overly sophisticated to realize evolutionarily speaking what a baby requires and how babies who were content with being left alone for hours untended wouldn't have been the babies that survive very long. So it's obvious why they do this. And it's, it's, it's weird. I even have to say so. What's uh, I, I, th- I think um, more interesting is that people do kind of forget that we are carry mammals. And if you look at hunter gatherer societies, babies are almost never put down, let alone left alone. And at the, primary carer the mother is away there'll be somebody else that will be tending that baby we having that baby close to their skin and indeed a woman uh, uh, and if the baby is hungry another woman will breastfeed it now so what so what what we're really dealing with is the problem caused by atomizing us into atomic families who then don't have that whole huge evolved support network to deal with mm-hmm. a baby. So we're having to do the work of a, a tribe. And that's two or sometimes one person having to do the work of a tribe. I understand. That's tough. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not your fault that, uh, that 10,000 years of agriculture have apportioned us up into this hideous mess. But, we, but when you do have the information, you can't then say just because... Um, uh, you, you can't say because you're making me feel guilty about it therefore i shouldn't feel guilty about it right um, yes absolutely you know there are things we you know face up to things and face up to the stark reality of the decisions you made i'm not going to um shilly shally and pretend things are fine when they're not when they're not fine do you know what they're not fine that's the end of the story and then you have to deal with whether that's an acceptable utilitarian bargain now there are cases where that can go too far. Um, and Victoria, when she teaches people in antenatal class and then talks about them, you know, if your baby is, if your baby screaming is doing your head in and you feel that you are about to lose control mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in a violent way, put your baby down, walk out of the room, take some breaths, give yourself a minute or two to calm down and then go Absolutely. back to You know, that's fine. But um, this whole abandon your baby every night scream until it has a cortisol conk out and then realizes it can no longer trust you mm, not the best no not the best yeah. strategy sorry no yeah. and if anybody tells you it is question their motives for so saying and actually the funniest thing that is when people don't talk about is i've looked at the data about the quality of the sleep that's attained thereafter 
parents convince themselves that everything's fine and their sleep is solved. But when you actually look at the data, it doesn't even solve it. The, the, the child is still up, still has to be tended to. The parents aren't getting that much more sleep. But their impression is that they are. So that's the funny thing. It doesn't even so, work properly. I think know? so much of this, I come back to the um, uh, how to have multiple orgasms argument. Mm-hmm. So you have your your lady magazine that says how to have multiple orgasms on the cover, and then a lady describes how her specific anatomy works, mm-hmm. um, and it's useless to everyone else. It's the same as of how to get your baby to sleep. Stop listening to everyone else. Listen to your baby. Your baby knows what it needs, and if your baby needs you to be in the same room as it in order for it to sleep, then that's what your baby needs. Um, yeah. And some people, I have friends who have babies that slept through from four months old totally naturally. They're just went weirdos. to sleep and didn't wake just up at night dullard, yeah dullard weirdos are going to be Do you know what actually actually it's interesting um so i'm thinking of one particular family with three kids and the first two slept through almost immediately and the third is being an absolute nightmare um with sleep um and the but the first two are now old enough that they're in school and you can start seeing and they're smart kids so there's no seemingly no you know they're not dullards at all yeah they right, are they're just smart kids. Nah, they're dullard conformists <laughs> well, yeah. in this case they aren't it's obviously ridiculously anecdotal but yeah they are uh, dullard conformists are they the third one's going to be the interesting one what i what what and that is something that uh, any parent should realize they they'll have a child and they'll say oh this child was so easy to deal with aren't we good parents and they'll think they've <laughs> got a crack and the next one will come along and completely reset the deck. And oh can my just gosh, we were nothing. so happy when the third kid didn't sleep. We were, Laura and I are just delighted yeah. for that. And, and similarly, there are ones that are just complete nightmares, and then they barely don't want to have another child. And they do and say, "Oh, well, actually, that one was easy, and we didn't do anything different." So yeah, your baby will just do whatever your baby's going to do, and exactly. that's the end of it. Um, our, our child, who we did not sleep through until he was three and a half years old. Um, How is Toby? He's great. Do you like him? I love him. Really? I really do like him a lot. He didn't exist 10 years ago. I know, that's unnatural. It is unnatural that he did not exist in the past. (laughs) Yes. He never existed in the past, John. He didn't exist for an eternity. (laughs) Isn't that weird? And then he won't exist for another eternity yeah but then there, maybe those eternities will cancel each other out or his existence will be a, a non-significant blip oh no that can't be true in reality that can't be true he's the most significant individual ever to have been created. he is yes that's true your children your child though very different yeah no I, that's fair enough um how's lucy when we first recorded judith was an it inside your wife's tummy that's right that's right specifically her tummy yes in her tummy it was a very eptopic pregnancy judith was swimming around in concentrated hydrochloric acid Uh uh-huh yeah um but now she is a person with ideas and who speak who calls radio one yes (laughs) yes that's right did that air yet it did air it did air shall i good um yes shall i um do 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 you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it? Yes. All right. I recorded a bit of it. You can just listen to her first bit. Then I won't bore everybody with all what all the other boring children. So I'm going to hold Ugh. hold this up to the microphone. I'm not going to bother sharing the the three. So here's your radio one. Welcome to Justin Bieber, bad guy, eight fifteen. On radio on breakfast. This is Greg Jameson. Shall we? Hello, 
come and give us your unpopular opinion. Something up till now that you've been scared to say. Today, it's a children's special. And we start with Judith. T-Rex is a boring and they aren't the best dinosaur. Oh, it's a strong start having a go at dinosaurs, Judith. So what's what's your favourite dinosaur if you don't like a T-Rex? Velociraptor, also Spinosaurus. Oh, uh, okay. Why do you like the Velociraptor so much? It was chicken-sized and it was really fast. Yeah, it was quite fast, wasn't it? So what, what is it about the T-Rex that, like, do, do, do you not trust the size of its small little hands? Yeah, and also people think they couldn't move their tails and their brains were tiny so they weren't very smart. Mm. And they weren't even the biggest dinosaur. Judith, it's a great start on Unpopular Opinion. Thank you so much. Thanks. Enjoy your summer holiday. We're going again. There you go. I won't, I won't, bore, I won't bore you with other. Uh, and actually, what's funny is that if you go back nine years, you can sort of hear a burbling on, on the podcast, not yes, using words. Isn't that funny? And so then, uh, and she, and she and managed what well, I never did. She managed to get onto the Radio World Breakfast yeah. Show. And, and in nine years' time, she will barely be speaking to us and have left home. That's true. Aren't we lucky? Oh yes, hmm. I am. I am horrified that um, that Princess Diana didn't come back and ruin her attempt to get on the Radio One Breakfast Show. Sorry, you know this story. I've told this story on the podcast many times. Tell it again. I was due to be on the Radio oh, One Breakfast yeah. Show for a yes. week. I was going to be a part a member of the Posse. That really was a sliding doors moment. That your life it really was been, it's such a sliding doors moment. That could have been um, the beginning of something. You could now be part of the Me Too crowd. That's true. Yeah. Kevin Greening was due to do a week's filling on the breakfast show, uh-huh. and um, I used to write occasional gags for him on his afternoon show. Just email them in, mm-hmm. and and I'd written, I come up with this concept for a quiz, and he wanted to use it, and he invited me to be a member of the posse for the whole week he was on, uh-huh. and then the Sunday before, uh-huh. Princess Diana bumped her car into a tree into a bridge, clumsy. Clumsy, and uh, they cancelled all entertainment for a week. <laughs> it is interesting that Diana hasn't had the uh, post-death longevity that many would have thought she would have. I think the current generation, basically, she's just another thing from history, if they know it at yeah. all. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. She ruined my, my my moment of fame. Can you imagine how different? I got to go in on an afternoon show, and I got to... It was quite fun. I got to go on one of his drivel time shows, and I got to uh, write jokes as the show was going on, and I got some of my gags on air. That was good. So what would have happened had she not been so clumsy? What, explicitly, what would you have done? I would have gone in, been part of the posse, and it would have really clicked. No. I would have been a really good member of the no, team. And, like... and, and so you would have actually been on air. Yeah, I would have been like, whoa, yeah, fish and chips <laughs> in the background. Coins of money. Coins of money. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you lost that opportunity because somebody couldn't be bothered to put on her seatbelt and her father and her father-in-law wanted to kill her because she was going to have a baby with a Muslim. Thanks, mm. Al Fayed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, My name's Al. Call me Al. <laughs> Call me Prince. <laughs> yeah. Um, he anyway, yeah, and I would have been, it would have been an instant chemistry. I would have been an essential part of the team. They would have said, "Oh my goodness, we need to give you a job." You finally you say that, and then eventually you would have become a DJ. You would have then been in charge of. You would have actually been the breakfast presenter. You would have. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't. I would never want. I'd never be on air talent, but I would have been a comedy writer. No, I and disagree. I would have got I just, into that universe. No, 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 no. You would have gotten that sort of 
slightly chubby, cuddly, Christian Simon Mayo slot. Uh, <laughs> and you would have been that. No, you would have. You would have. That's the thing. I do think you would have. I do think you would have. <laughs> you. you know, I want you to be even more disappointed at what you lost. Don't think you would have just been a successful backroom boy. You would have been the next Chris Evans, Simon Mayo. But I'll tell you what, if that had happened, mm-hmm. I'd never have made a little website called Glebe's Thrift Funnel you with a young man called Nicholas Mailer. You would have never recorded the Rum Doings podcast. You would have uh-huh. never had a wife called Laura. You would have never had a baby called Toby. And everything would have been so much better. Toby, <laughs> Toby can can give his Diana Princess Diana gave her life so that Toby could live. Yes, she she did. Yes. What a sacrifice. All glory to Saint Diana. <laughs> Toby grows up to become an evil despotic ruler who ends the world. <laughs> yes. Fulfilling your hundred years to death premise. Yeah. It'll all be Princess Diana's fault. And Jeremy what Corbyn. Yes. <laughs> okay. And 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 yes, um Ruben Murdoch is a paedophile. Finally, finally, we've reached that conclusion. Is he dead yet so we can say that? Um, he's been dead for about five years, let's be honest. They're shoving, they're shoving cream teas up his rectum just to make I sure. I would like to say, in the interests of balance, <laughs> that he's not a paedophile. Please don't sue me, sue Nick, who genuinely believes that you definitely are. You would like to say that, but sadly you can't because that would be not true because you believe that stuff. I don't. I don't. I'm definitely certain that he's never had non-consensual sex with anyone. You're definitely certain that Jeffrey Epstein's not a paedophile. Okay. <laughs> don't think I said that. I think you did. Why are you defending Jeffrey Epstein suddenly? I, I don't want to talk just to you anymore. Really, I'm just really attracted to him. He does have a certain charisma, doesn't he? He is a handsome man. Yeah, well, he wanted to start a new race with his Lolitas. Did he? Yes, he thought that he could start a, a, a wonderful new kind of collection of beautiful people. Maybe, oh. and, and who are we to say he was wrong, John? Exactly. I bet you his mummy let him cry out. <laughs> Hang on, but my mummy let me, and I'm brilliant. <clears throat> I'm definitely not a baddie. <laughs> Shall we say goodbye to the listener for the next no. 10 years? No. We should keep them prisoner forever. All right. Well, in your in your, in your old house's basement, where the man is still banging, there's <laughs> Clovis. a Clovis. His a name was Clovis. Was it really? Yeah, really. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, got nothing more to say then. That's true. We'll end on that bombshell. Speak to you again in 10 years. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Drive well. Let us know when you get there.